Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. Radio Harambe. I am Dave McBride, broadcasting from the Radio Harambe studios. And I'll be joined in just a few minutes by a gentleman named Christopher Smith. He is the author of a great book called The Walt Disney World That Never Was, Stories Behind the Amazing Imagineering Dreams That Never Came True. We're going to discuss all of those fun little attraction ideas that got to various points of development before just never making it to the theme parks. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about the Animal Kingdom, but we're going to touch on some other things as well. But before we get to that, I just wanted to let you know that we are selling T-shirts. That's right. We are selling T-shirts again. And we have three styles available. The Radio Harambe. We have one called Dr. Seeker's Travel Company. And we have the old favorite Warden Wilson Matua's Air Rangers is back. You can find those on Public. Go to tpublic.com slash users slash Radio Harambe, or I will put the link in the show notes, and you could just simply get to it from there. All the profits we make from this are going straight to conservation. We will donate it to various conservation uh, organizations that are on the ground right now um, trying to help save wildlife. So it's basically a fundraising drive. We've done this before, and we are going to do it again, and hopefully for this Christmas, we have a couple designs that you guys will like for this holiday season. Um... So again, tpublic.com slash user slash Radio Harambe, or just go to the show notes and you will find it right there. Uh, I thank you in advance for any of your uh, purchases for t-shirts there and uh, for helping us to say, raise some money for uh, conservation organizations that are working to save wildlife right now. Uh, so, oh, and before we uh, get to the interview here, I just want to mention one other thing. Uh, we are going to have a listener question show coming up. Uh, famous listener question show. Uh, feel free to get any of your questions in to jomboeveryone at gmail.com or to Mike uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can find him at jomboeveryone. There's some other um, ways to do that, but we'll get to that at the end of the show. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Christopher Smith. Welcome back to Radio Harambe. As I said, I am joined now by a very special guest, the author of the book, The Walt Disney World That Never Was, Stories Behind the Amazing Imaginary Dreams That Never Came True. It's Christopher Smith. Chris, how are you? 
I'm doing well, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. I look forward to talking about some some pretty cool Disney stuff. We've been trying to do this interview for some time, um, and because <laughs> this, this book didn't come out yesterday, uh, and I have uh, read it entirely, <laughs> maybe more than once. <laughs> Cer- certainly for reference material when Mike springs things on me, um, but. Uh, Basically, before we get into the sort of the um, ins and outs of the books, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to do something like this, how the, how this project sort of started, that kind of thing. Just a little background on it. Sure. Well, I, um, as we were talking about before we came on, I'm, I'm an attorney by day, but uh, you know my, my my passion has always been Disney. I've, I've, I've visited the parks uh, since I was a, since I was a kid. Um, just 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 absolutely, you know, love the experience and like a lot of you know, Disney fanatics, uh, at some point, uh, you know, my love for the parks kind of grew beyond just, you know, just the attractions and the shows and, and the hotels and things like that. And so I started studying more about, you know, the parks and their history and I'm a, I'm a big history buff. Uh, and so, you know, kind of started stumbling across, um, you know, a lot of, of really what I thought were really cool ideas, uh, for different attractions and restaurants and even lands for the parks that I knew just by virtue of going down there never became a reality. And so I thought, man, that would be, you know, um, you know, I've written a couple of books, but I, I think this one, kind of the idea of, of what could have been is, is something that every Disney fan is fascinated by. Right. We start thinking about different concepts that could have come to be. And so I thought, man, that would be a great research project. I started looking into it, and what I realized was, um, you know, you know, the concepts themselves. Whether you're talking about a, you know, an attraction or a land, you know, those are those are really interesting topics in and of themselves. But you know, the story behind why they never came to be are really stories of the Disney company itself and how the company reacted to different, right. you know, economic pressures and other things that were going on. So uh, it became even a more fascinating project than I thought. So uh, kind of started, you know, the the, the task of, of writing and, um, you know, it, 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 it turned out well and has gotten a a, a, a great reaction from from fans out there. So it was it was definitely a worthwhile, um, worthwhile endeavor. So like like Christopher is saying here, um, what we're going to discuss is the things that I, I honestly have always felt that um, the Disney online community blew up to the point that it got at its height, you know, back when blogs were in and all the chat rooms and all that stuff <laughs> because of this very type of thing. I mean, this was the kind of stuff that people just soaked up on the Internet. You know, everybody wanted to talk about these things. And then you start to think back over the years. You know, I'm old enough to remember the opening of Epcot and I'm old enough to remember the opening of MGM and, you know, and those things. And, and, you know, even then, even back then, little tiny hints were put out there of what may come and never did come. Yeah, that's you know w- w- one of the things that's really that, that's really fascinating is that you know when, when you look back to before before uh, you know the Magic Kingdom opened in 1971, you know the Disney Company was much more uh, willing to put conceptual ideas out there and different marketing materials before you know there was absolutely oh, yeah. concrete that it was going to be that it was going to be constructed, and so you know especially for the early Magic Kingdom ideas and even the Epcot ideas. 
you just have just a treasure trove of different information about what some of these concepts would have been. They've gotten, you know, the company's gotten a little more reserved, you know, these days, but still, it still happens, you know, even the last, you know, within the last year of, yeah. of different things that get announced, you know, at, at the D23, you know, expo and different events that, you know, listen, uh, Disney's a company and different things happen. And so even though they've got plans to do certain things, you know, plans change for, for, for a variety of reasons. I mean, I think you're underselling that a bit, too. I mean, think of Walt doing television shows yes. with these kind of things, you know, with concept yes. art and stuff that never happened. I mean, famous, like you said, the famously the Epcot video, the Epcot uh, film, um, you know, where he's talking about what Epcot's supposed to be. And it never turned out to be like that. But there it was for the whole world to see, you know, and the, the Museum of the Weird and all these other things that go back. <laughs> they just put it out there. For, could you imagine them doing that now without, you know, thinking it through? <laughs> Yeah, and and really, you know, you know, you know, it depends on the different, the particular concept you're talking about, right? But 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 some of these, you know, uh, you know, their their potential life spans years, you know, and and That's you true, think they're yeah. going to come back, and the company keeps talking about them, and then they just mysteriously disappear without without another word, and you're just kind of left to wonder, you know, man, what. What what could have been if we would have gotten this you know this this particular hotel or this particular restaurant or this land, uh, and it makes it fun for 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 mm. armchair imagineers like me to sit back and think about man you know if they would have done that it would have oh, been yeah. it would have been such a such a big success. And, and you know it's funny as you thumb through the book and you and you look through all even if you even if you just like thumb your way through the project titles and get the first kind of little bit just to kind of orient yourself to all the it's amazing how many of them you kind of remember you know and yeah and, and and as i look through some of them i'm like oh yeah i remember hearing about the israel pavilion or uh you know i'm sure there's more that toontown you know all, all yes. these other things that that come yes. into mind that, that that yeah i did hear about that you can't re quite remember why you heard about it because there wasn't an internet in 19 uh, <laughs> yeah that, 82 right. or something you know yeah, there's you know certainly you know times have changed with how that how that information has, has flowed. But you know one of the things that 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 I really that I really enjoyed about about writing the book is that you know what we do in, in in each of the chapters is you know talk about you know these these different you know things that could have been and what we know you know the experience would have been based on the information that's out there. But in a lot of cases, you know there there are kind of remnants or or different hidden tributes to those things that never came to be in the experiences we do have today in the parks. In other words, you know, the Imagineers who worked on different attractions and lands that, that did come to be, you know, paying homage to some of these lost concepts. And I just think that's fantastic, right? To be able to see, you know, remnants of those ideas and different things that we, that we do get to experience inside, uh, inside the parks today. Well, one of the things I can think of off the top of my head that, that kind of is more recent, and then we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll mention a few other ones later, uh, you know, as, as we go on here. But one of the things that sticks out to me is, uh, the Little Mermaid ride that's currently in the Magic Kingdom now, for a long time, that was like rumored and thought to be lost. And I believe Tony Baxter may have put a ride through video, or an animation of some kind onto a DVD or something. And then all of a sudden it shows up in the park. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that, that's right. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned that. You know that 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 piece of 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 of, of property there, and 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 what's now New Fantasy Land is is so interesting because you know that area. When I first visited the parks uh, when I was seven back in 1984, my absolute favorite attraction in the park was Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, I loved it, um, and I and loved it was it just too. it was just 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 a you know it just kind of kept for a seven year old kid it just it just captivated my imagination I, I just couldn't quit talking about it after we left but mm. you know for, for a variety of reasons you know that you know disney eventually shut that attraction down for for you know for you know maintenance and other reasons that had nothing to do with the popularity because it was still very a very popular attraction so right. for years you had this large piece of of real estate and fantasy on this huge footprint that just sat vacant and you know as i talk about in the book you know one of my one of my favorite you know, time periods is when, you know, during the Michael Eisner era, where Eisner considered actually adding two different mountains to the Magic Kingdom, uh, one that would have been uh, called Fire Mountain and themed as a volcano and kind of a, a similar Jules Verne type theme that 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea had. Yeah. And then another mountain, Villains Mountain, which would have been you know what a lot of Disney fans have have begged for for a long time, which is an attraction devoted to to villains and, and you know, Eisner being Eisner. You know, again, you know, had had two teams come up with two different ideas, and and at one point thought about adding both of them, you know, to, to the park, uh, and of course, you know, that 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 never happened for a variety of reasons, and and now we have the new Fantasyland expansion, but you know, again, one of those little hidden tributes to Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea can be found in that in that uh, Under the Sea queue, uh, which I think is you know, which is just you know, again, just fantastic Disney storytelling and, and again paying homage to the past you know for all the, the flack that michael eisner gets and i we will give him some flack by the end of this show by the end of this interview <laughs> i promise you that but um those first few years with frank wells still in the picture i mean yes. it was sort of a rebirth of imagineering it was sort of like that whole idea uh, that walt kind of had of wanting to get a lot of different concepts and kind of spitballing ideas and just having blue sky stuff happen seemed to really come back into play after it had kind of faded away a little bit after the magic kingdom opened it feel felt like you know i i absolutely agree with that and I, and, and and i agree you know uh, you know a lot of people give eisner a hard time and certainly he you know especially at the end things were not going great i'm actually an eisner fan just because you know, rightly or wrongly, he came in looking to add new things and, yeah. and, and looking to expand and to, and to, and to add some, some energy into the parks. Uh, now, you know, some of those things weren't necessarily great. And, and, and again, at the end of his tenure, things really started going south. But I think because of Eisner, we got a lot of the expansion things that yeah. we all enjoy today that we would not have been able to, to enjoy otherwise. You know, and you have a whole chapter in the book about different resorts and different uh, you know, uh, lost resorts and things. And yeah, sure, maybe, maybe, maybe Michael Eisner had some ideas that he could have brought through. But all of these resorts, with the exception of a couple of of uh, resorts at the at the Magic Kingdom Loop, were all born out of the ideas of Michael Eisner and him pushing that concept. So people who are too young to remember what it was like having to stay at the Days Inn in Kissimmee because you couldn't get a room in either the Contemporary or the Polynesian <laughs> don't realize how he revolutionized this whole thing with just the concept of resorts alone. You know? Right. I mean, he, he, he really... 
you know, and I, and I feel like, you know, I talk to, to, to people a lot about just kind of the state of, 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 of the Walt Disney world parks, um, and, and, and Orlando and Florida, and then, you know, the theme park industry in central Florida now. And really, you know, we are, we are really in a, just a fantastic time and really an arms race, um, of, 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 of theme park proportions with universal and Disney competing with each other. And, and, and us as fans being the beneficiary of, of them pushing each other to do newer and bigger things. But I think kind of Eisner was doing that, uh, you know, you know, a, a few decades ago, right. Yes, he, you was. Know, he was, he, he was, he was launching his own theme park arms race, uh, and, and creating kind of this all encompassing vacation destination again, that we all, you know, probably take for granted today. And, but I think a lot of it is attributable to, 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 to his, his influence and his, his, his push to, 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 to expand the parks. Well, we said we would before we came on. We said that the two of us could quickly get down a rabbit hole of these kind of <laughs> things, and and I feel like I might be digging that hole right now. So let's uh, let's get back to the idea of the <laughs> of the rides that never were. I I think, and I just want to just want to touch on a couple. When I tell you guys, listeners, folks, that there are so many things in this book that you'll read about, um, I'm I'm just gonna scratch the surface here with a couple of things I wanted to mention. I think kind of. The biggest example to me, and, and a lot of these concepts, and I think this is a, a, a thing that a lot of people don't know, is that they come to us in form of book or before a book like this was available, they came to us in the form of, you know, uh, message boards on internet sites. Um, you know, there's a lot of stages of development on some of these things. And you know, some of them may have just been a piece of concept art and never went any further than that, right? While some of them got went very, very far to almost yeah, the yeah. point of 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 breaking ground. Yeah, that that's right. I mean, you, you know, these different ideas they, they run the gamut of exactly what you said of just you know maybe one piece of concept art, and we're left to examine that that piece of art and kind of you know try to you know dissect what we think it would have been. But a lot of these concepts were were literally on the doorstep of being constructed. And, you know, all, again, like we talked about before, tons of promotional materials put out by the Disney company promoting these different ideas. And, you know, at the last minute, them being them being shelved or, or, or put on hold, you know, temporarily and, and then temporarily would become permanently. Um, so, yes, you know, that's what's that's what's kind of so frustrating as a Disney fan. I'm sure these Imagineers who, who worked on some of these concepts that, you know, many of them were literally on the doorstep of being constructed and just and just, you know, for a variety of reasons, um, never made it into the parks. I think if we talk about the pre Eisner era, um, the first and the big one that everyone knows the most about. But maybe if you're kind of new to this whole uh, concept of talking about things that never got built. I, th I think the Western River Expedition is probably the one that's maybe the most known, wouldn't you say? Or, or at least the, yeah, most, I, the most legendary as far as its story and how it, how it, I, I don't know if I ever bought the whole idea that it didn't get built because people wanted pirates. Maybe they did. I don't know. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be cynical, yeah. but, <laughs> but that's yeah. a big one. Tell, tell people about that one. Sure. So, you know, the way I characterize Thunder Mace, I'm, I'm a big sports fan, is is that if if 
if the Walt Disney World that never was is a Hall of Fame, then Thunder Mesa was Babe Ruth. Right. And, and it was just, you know, uh, and, and, and what you mentioned, Western River Expedition was a piece of a larger Thunder Mesa. It uh, uh, essentially Thunder Mesa was going to be a sub area of Frontierland, this large, you know, Monument Valley type landscape that held, you know, a couple of different attractions, one of which was Western River Expedition, which, you know, I think most people and most, you know, you know, documents we see kind of equate that to a a wild west version of pirates of the caribbean and you know what i love about about thunder mesa and 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 western river expedition is is you know the imagineer that was behind that uh mark davis who you know is is my personal favorite imagineer but he was a genius yeah just just an absolute genius The, the the principal influence behind you know, the haunted mansion and pirates of the caribbean and you know kind of set the goal for himself to to create the greatest Disney attraction concept ever, and and from coming from a guy who who created the haunted mansion and, and pirates, you know, in conjunction with others, that is a heck of a goal. And you know, just literally poured his heart and soul into developing this concept. You know, you mentioned you know this this, this pirates issue. It's it's interesting. You know, when when Disney was planning the Magic Kingdom, you know, at that time they were not theme park experts you know, the way they are today. You know, context is king. You have to go back and look at it from the perspective of the late 1960s. Right. Know, they had the Disneyland park on the West coast and, you know, they really struggled with, you know, planning for the Florida version because what they wanted to do was certainly build off the momentum they had in Disneyland and try to incorporate, you know, attractions that, that Disney fans were already familiar with and were already popular, but also adding in, you know, new attraction concepts, right? So that it wasn't just, you know, an East Coast version of Disneyland. Um, and, you know, at the time, Pirates of the Caribbean was 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 the most popular attraction, uh, you know, at Disneyland. And, you know, for whatever reason, um, you know, Disney decided to not replicate that in in, in Florida. And, and what's interesting is I've, I've always heard the story that, um, you know, that the reason Disney made that decision is they thought that the, the central Florida location was too close to the actual Caribbean. Uh, and I thought, man, that just sounds silly. You know, that, it sure does. <laughs> there's no way that's true. But during my research in one of their annual reports, you know, one of the disclosure documents that they submit to shareholders, you know, each year, you know, they made this specific state. It was kind of a statement in passing. But, you know, me reading it, it, it jumped out is that. They really thought that people were going to visit uh, Walt Disney World, the Magic Kingdom, in conjunction with larger vacations that included taking a trip to the Caribbean, right? So, rightly or wrongly, they yeah. they they really believed that, and and as such, you know, they, they they didn't have plans for it. Now, again, the story is is that when the park opened in 1971, you know, and and Pirates wasn't there, you know, a heavy fan backlash pushed them to actually add it to the park and you know if you if you have pirates of the caribbean in the park then you don't need a a a western version of that same attraction um but what's what's really you know what's really uh you know kind of you know tugs at me at, at about this thunder mesa concept is that Unfortunately, it didn't die a quick death, and and it 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 kind of initially got postponed because construction costs ran out of control for the Magic Kingdom. Then the pirates issue, and then some political correctness issues with with some of the concept. You know, it's just all these different things. You know, eventually led to it just kind of you know disappearing. Um, and you know, for a guy like Mark Davis, uh, you know, 
I, I, I feel strongly and believe this, that, you know, he, he went to his grave, you know, resenting the fact that he did not get to, to, to have at least some type of, yeah. of, of semblance of this attraction. You know, as we know today, you know, we have Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and, and Splash Mountain and Frontierland, which are two of my, my favorite attractions and which are certainly, you know, direct descendants of that original concept. Um, but it's, it's certainly not the same thing. And you just wonder what could have been if, 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 if Martin Davis would have been given the chance to, 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 to add that to the parks. Oh, no doubt. And I think before we get into the animal kingdom, um, I think that the other subject that fits this mold of sort of pre Eisner things, and this is probably the one that is my earliest recollection of thinking about attractions that aren't going to be built or should have been built or what have you. And that is the, I mean, there's an incredible long history and a great chapter in this book about world showcase pavilions that never got built. And the earliest one I remember is one that of which you can still see the remnants of it. And that's the equatorial Africa, but you probably have 11 or 12 different world showcase pavilions in this book that went through various stages of development and came within a, uh, you know, a, a, a certified check from actually going into the world showcase yet still. We haven't had one <laughs> in, in well, 25 you know, years. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, I, like I mentioned before, I've I've visited the parks, you know, just just countless times. And uh, up until I started doing research for this book, you know, certainly have been around World Showcase many different times. Uh, I never noticed that in between almost every pavilion are these large open swaths of land. That's right. right? You know, in, in my mind, you know, when I would, they're not paying attention. I thought that one pavilion ends and another one begins, but that's not the case. There are these large open spaces of land. And the reason for that was, you know, Disney planned to have a lot more, uh, you know, nations represented there. And, you know, there's so, you know, the Soviet union and Israel and equatorial mm-hmm. Africa and, you know, Switzerland and just, you know, all these different, you know, different countries that could have been represented, you know, unfortunately, you know, I think a lot of this could just comes back to money. And, 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 and when, when Disney executives were planning for Epcot World Showcase, they thought that going out and getting, you know, sponsorship dollars to help fund these, these significant construction costs would be easy. Well, as it turns out, that was not the case. And, and really had to struggle to get the number of, a pavilion that we do have there today, you know, with a couple added later, um, you know, uh, in the parks. And what's funny is, is, you know, even though, and there's always a rumor every, every few years that that's true still to this day, there is. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. But, but unfortunately I I think what you have seen is, and I've even seen this in some of the, some of the documents I've studied and preparing for the books is, you know, today, Disney, you know, the focus is getting more people to the parks, right? Getting more visitors through the turnstiles and, 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 and a corresponding, you know, more, more revenue flowing in. And I just believe that Disney executives have felt that, you know, adding more countries to World Showcase, you know, won't result in the same amount of visitors to the turnstiles that a new attraction or a new land or yeah. some other type of experience would add. 
The only reason that is changing somewhat now are these different intellectual property ties that Disney is attaching, you know, certainly to every attraction they do now. Right. And, and, and again, some of these different, you know, pavilions that are, that are rumored to be coming now is if you get a strong IP franchise that you can, you know, attach to a, to a, to a country and an attraction in that country, then maybe it justifies the expense. But, um, you know, it, 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 until, and I've gotten to the point now, uh, day where until I see one, until I see ground yeah. being broken, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to believe it because I've, I've, yeah. I've, again, read these for years and would love to see it. I personally would love to see, you know, new nations represented because I, you know, I love world showcase. I love the, the concept and the idea behind it, being able to experience these different cultures and, 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 and restaurants and foods and, and things like that. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it just, it just, it didn't go then the way that Disney planned. And certainly now, um, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're still waiting. I absolutely remember watching the television in 1982 of the <laughs> opening of Epcot and I can't remember who the host was, but I do remember um, that they had, I think, Alex Haley from Roots. That's absolutely correct. Yes. Come on and talk about this pavilion that was going to open next year. You know, or whatever the, it was. The, the Equatorial Africa Pavilion is in contention for, you know, the concept that was most heavily advertised and heavily promoted. Imagine that, that now. Imagine them doing yeah. that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and really, and even you know, on opening day, you know, uh, you know, along with the opening special, you know, that had out that featured Alex Haley and and all this promotion, which and they even said opening next year, you know, they let you know. But yeah. if you were walking around the pavilion, they had signs up, you know, of 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 coming soon for not only Equatorial Africa but also for a Spain pavilion, that's right, and an Israel, and an Israel pavilion. So on opening day, they have these promotional signs that are telling you, hey, you know, come on back next year. And you'll and you'll see these new pavilions. Um, and, and certainly, you know, the company today would be much more hesitant to do that um, than, than than it would back in 19, 1982. And and the Spanish pavilion was a money situation. The government, the the travel bureau didn't want to do it or what, what happened with 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 those in particular? That, that's right. The, the, the Spain pavilion is more of a of a um, of a money financing issue. The Israel, really all of them, you know, comes back to money to some extent. But the Israel Pavilion, there was also political concerns and, and worry about yeah, you know, the pro- time, right. protests and, and, and different things like that. And, um, and, and, and that's why. And then, you know, Equatorial Africa, you know, what was, what was interesting about that is that it was, was going to be the first pavilion that wasn't, uh, that wasn't representative of just one country. Right. You're talking about a, a region of countries represented by virtue of that pavilion. Unfortunately, the only the only type of positive funding feedback that Disney got was from South Africa, and uh, they worried about the political issues involved with that, with accepting That's right. primarily South Africa funding to do this Equatorial Africa Pavilion, and that led to it being you know temporarily shelved and then uh, you know you know eventually you know permanently off the drawing board now this would be a perfect segue into talking about the animal kingdom because they did eventually build the best world showcase pavilion africa could ever ask for over at the animal kingdom but before we do that i just want to quickly jump into the uh eisner era and ask you to mention just a couple of things there's two things from the early mgm that stick out in my mind that i just want you to, to mention briefly roger rabbit and dick tracy (laughs) <laughs> Those uh, are the two that I remember. 
Well, well, I'll warn you, Dave. Th- those are two of my favorites. So I, 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 I will try to be as brief as I can. Okay. You know, Roger Rabbit's Hollywood, I, you know, people forget how much of a cultural phenomenon who framed Roger Rabbit, the, the, the <laughs> film was in 1988. As a matter of fact, you know, when people start talking about the Disney animation renaissance, they start with The Little Mermaid in 1989. I would argue it actually started in 88 with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I agree 100%. Because, because that, you know, it was a combination certainly of live action and animation, but it made people care about animation again. And it was an absolute runaway success. And, you know, as soon as the, the studios opened, you know, originally, you know, and we see this from the literature, Disney executives planned on it being a half day park. Well, you know, they knew immediately after opening that, you know, we're in trouble. We need more experiences because we're getting flooded with guests. And so, you know, this this a, a Roger Rabbit's Hollywood sub area was one of the things proposed that would you know what, what drives me crazy is that it would have included three different attractions. You know, a a, a, a baby Herman uh, baby buggy ride, a dark <laughs> ride, a, a, a simulator trolley attraction. It was just you know, and, and the thematic, what gets me going is, is the thematic tie-in, the time period represented in the film and the time period represented uh, in, in, in MGM Studios were the same, you know, this golden era of Hollywood. And it would have been just, I think, a perfect thematic tie. Uh, you know, it, it never came to be because of a, you know, a, a, you know a, several things, but a, but a fundamental disagreement between Eisner and, and Steven Spielberg um, about about what to do with with the film's characters after that, uh, but I think that was a, a big lost concept. The other, you know, Dick Tracy um, Crime Stoppers was going to be an, an attraction, uh, and, you know, again proposed to help kind of deal with this huge guest demand for the studios. And again, you know, what's funny is is you know. Dick Tracy, the movie uh, from 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 1990, I believe it was, um, or 1989. Um, you know, people look back on it today and, and think, "Hey, that that movie was a failure." It it, it really wasn't. It, it grossed over a hundred million dollars. You know, was was successful, won a couple of Academy Awards. But from Disney's perspective, they thought they had another you know, Batman series, you know, the 1988 Michael Keaton film that spawned several, you know, they thought they had not just a good movie, a fantastic runaway hit franchise that was going to, you know, be, 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 you know, providing dividends for years to come. And it just didn't, it it just didn't happen. But, you know, for, for, for an animal kingdom tie in before we get there, you know, the, the, the E uh, MV vehicles that are used in the dinosaur attraction today, you know, Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers are supposed to be the initial use of that type of vehicle, you know, taking you through these gritty, grimy Chicago streets and this gangster era, um, you know, scenery, um, you know, would have been, you know, for me, a, a really cool concept. But but I, but, yeah, I could go on for you know, all day, <laughs> especially Roger Rabbit's Hollywood. I really do think that if you're if you're kind of ranking, man, the things we really missed out on, I, you know, I would rank that that potential addition right up there near the top. So before I mention that, I, I really strongly feel that this whole idea of r- concepts that were never built or concepts that may be built someday is what gave birth to the Disney internet community. It was <laughs> it was the thing that I spent most of my time reading about and talking about, certainly on message boards and, and uh, blogs and all that stuff back when this became a thing. And no two ways about it the beastly kingdom 
yes. was the one at the time that caused the most uh, outcry amongst the real fans, you know, big Disney people who would be reading these kind of things. Let's be honest. That's that's who that that's who that is. That's who we are, <laughs> you know. Um, and the Beastly Kingdom was the one that people, I think. It's the next idea. They didn't go so far as to make a commercial saying here it comes, but they came pretty damn close <laughs> yeah. to doing that. I mean, they telegraphed it for everybody, including people who came to the park. Yeah, I mean, Beastly Kingdom, it really is. You know, I think I said earlier that, that Thunder Mesa was kind of the, the, you know, the Babe Ruth of these concepts, but I think Beastly Kingdom is right there with Thunder Mesa in terms of – you know, when you're talking about something that that was such just a a, a grand scope of ideas and, and such a great idea too. Oh, just fan. And I'll just I'll go ahead and you know just give you you know a spoiler alert. I, you know, I, I I love the 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 Pandora edition to, to Animal Kingdom. I absolutely do. I, I think it's fantastic. It's wonderful storytelling. I wish we had Beastly Kingdom instead of that. Oh. You know, if I had if I had because. From a storytelling and a thematic standpoint, I think it would have been a a a a, a, a wonderful tie-in and something that uh, you know that that I think would just continue to entertain guests today. But you know, a, a, as you know, Dave, I mean, you know, when when Disney was planning for this for this new park, uh, you know, it was really I equate you know Animal Kingdom in a lot of ways to to Disneyland in that. You know, I feel like, you know, certainly the Disney company was doing something new that it had never done with Disneyland, and it was, a, it was a learning experience. I feel like Animal Kingdom was the same thing. It was such a different, you know, a different, uh, you know, type of, of park that really, you know, no one had ever done before that they didn't know kind of the scope of the project until they got into it and started doing it. But we know from, from, from the earliest, uh, you know, information and advertisements and disclosures about animal kingdom that it was supposed to represent you know real animals extinct and imagined right with right. With, with with each of those three segments represented in different parts of the park well you know when when construction began you know i mean just this monumental project of transforming the central florida landscape into something that was you know could 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 hold all these different things, including real animals. Uh, you know, cost just just soared, and and you know, Kilimanjaro safaris alone, uh, you know, may have been enough to 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 create a a um, you know a, a small theme park. Uh, but and again, that's that's not anything unusual. I mean, you look at these concepts. Every time Disney has opened a new park, whatever their construction estimate is for that park. They always, you know, blow past it in, in leaps and bounds. And so, once they get into it, they start having to peel back on concepts. Well, you know, they were faced with this, 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 this beastly kingdom, which is, you know, the way I call it is, you know, it's a fantasy land for the animal realm, right? You know, different animals of myth and legend and folklore, uh, you know, or you know, uh, the extinct animals, dinosaurs, you know, the Dinoland USA. And, you know, because of what I think is primarily a silly reason, which is, you know, kind of the the original IP tie in for a for a for a film that really didn't do that well. Uh, Disney decided to initially go with, with Dino Land, but with the plans to come back and do Beastly Kingdom later. And, you know, just a series of events kept happening uh, that 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 kept pushing it off the board. But, you know, for, from a thematic, you know, 
you know, as you know, Dave, I mean, Beastly Kingdom, you know, was going to be divided into two sections, an evil realm and a good realm. My personal opinion is that this evil realm of, of Beastly Kingdom would have been maybe the best, most well-themed land in any Walt Disney World park, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're talking about this, 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 this crumbling medieval village with this large, you know, uh, you know, crumbling castle, you know, an attraction where you're walking through the queue and you see, you know, broken swords and lances and scorched shields lining the walkways. And then, you know, an attraction that combines, you know, funny audio animatronics and just this large fire breathing dragon. I mean, it just, you know, it, it, even today, I think, how can they not make room for this somewhere, you know, yeah. so, somewhere in a park? Um, and, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, we, 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 we didn't get it. But And, and I mentioned before that we were going to give uh, Eisner some flack. This was definitely we're definitely into the part of Eisner's tenure here, the post Frank Wells tenure, where budget cuts became a thing. And, and yeah. uh, you know, a lot of this stuff was lost, really. You know, for what some people kind of claim was mismanagement of funds and, uh, you know, uh, you know, mis badly allocated uh, resources and things like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and one piece of that, you know, one of the things that, that, that makes me the most upset is that, you know, certainly Disney, you know, I'm sure did a lot of market research about, you know, what's going to happen when we add this new this new park to our resort. And, you know, again, because of these cost overruns and because Disney decided to focus attention on, you know, real animals in Africa and Asia and the Oasis uh, and extinct animals in Dino Land, you know, the plan was, hey, we're going to we're going to punt Beastly Kingdom to phase two. But don't worry, because, you know, this park is going to be so successful that's going to drive up attendance, you know, you know, at all of our parks and money's going to be flowing in and we can use that money to to then fund the beastly kingdom edition well you know really anybody who 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 studies it knows that listen yes you're going to get an increase in total number of visitors but you're probably going to cannibalize some of those visitors from the magic kingdom and epcot and and the studios right and so that's exactly what happened and so when they see that there's a knee-jerk reaction to again wait on beastly kingdom and let's throw some additional things at these other parks and try to fix the problem. And, you know, and again, you end up sitting there waiting even longer uh, for 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 the finances to work out, along with some other, you know, what are now, you know, poor decision. We know now a poor decision by the Disney company. You know, uh, it just you know, it just could never it could never get the 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 financial green light that it needed to 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 get finished. And you know, to kind of tie it back to Thunder Mesa. You know, Thunder Mesa is 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 connected with again. I think one of the one of the one of the most famous Imagineers, Mark Davis. You know, Joe Rohde, who I mean, you know, even today, I mean, everybody acknowledges kind of the 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 the, the brilliance that he's contributed to to all of the parks, but you know, most notably the Animal Kingdom. He was directly behind this beastly this beastly Kingdom edition as well, right? Yeah. And you just you just wish that you know these these brilliant Imagineers who feel so passionately about these concepts could be given the opportunity to 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 implement those ideas into real things in the park and 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 i think to kind of tie it wrap up the beastly kingdom thing i mean you know not long after some of these delays 
9-11 happened. That had an incredible yes. effect on the parks and the, and the money. And then there was a very complicated thing with the Imagineers, too. The people who were working on it and Universal. And uh, uh, can you yeah. speak to that a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think really this is, um, you know, I, I probably could have written a, a, a book just on this, on, on Beastly Kingdom. And, 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 That's a and good idea. Issue. I think that should be your next uh, project. <laughs> the next project. Well, you know, you know, one of the things that happened is, you know, at, at the same time this is going on, Universal is also pumping in, you know, millions and even billions of dollars into expanding its theme park footprint in Central Florida. You know, it already had Universal Studios but it was in the process of creating this this revolutionary new park, which we now know as Islands of Adventure. And right. the, the plan behind that park was to was to incorporate so many technologically advanced and cutting edge um, cutting edge attractions that man, it would just it would just really revolutionize the industry. Well, from 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 Disney's standpoint, you know, the Imagineers who were who were working on the Beastly Kingdom concept, they were actually hoping that Universal was right. They were hoping that Islands of Adventure would be a runaway success and that Eisner would be forced to you know, respond in kind and, and add new things to the parks. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen for, you know, you know, people can guess as to why Islands of Adventure wasn't, you know, initially the successful, you know, venture that, that some thought it might be, whether it's market saturation or, or, or other things. But as if that were not bad enough, one of the the original lands in Islands of Adventure was an area called the Lost Continent, and there's still you know kind of a remnant of that in the park today. But it was essentially based on you know a, a land of myth and legend, and, and right, based on, right. on on Greek you know myths and architecture. It included a a, a roller coaster with with dragons and a unicorn type coaster. A lot of really familiar concepts for anybody who is who is <laughs> has, has studied Beastly Kingdom. And the reason for that is, listen, you know, Imagineers who who were getting cut back and lost jobs at Disney would then go work at Universal. And so it should come as no surprise that um, that that some of those ideas got incorporated. Now, from an attorney standpoint, which I, which I am, I wonder how. You know the intellectual property rights on that work. Now yeah. Disney didn't have you know some protections in place, but but so the rumor is is that you know on a trip to to scope out the competition, Michael Eisner and some other Disney executives walk through the Lost Continent and are thinking, you know, man, this stuff looks really familiar. You know, uh, right. you know again, you know, uh, you know a land based on these same concepts and, and attractions based on the same type of things that we're thinking about doing. And that was really the death nail. That was right? it. Because, that was the because, it ended. <laughs> because at that point, you know, you know, Eisner again for all the good things that I that I think he did, the the man certainly had an ego. I don't think there's any question about that. And there was no way that he was going to allow Disney to come back in and do something that could be viewed as replicating what Universal had already done. And before I let you go, one of the other things I I think a lot of people don't know about when they when talking about the subject is all the different. You know, we settled on the Tree of Life, but there was quite a few other ideas for the icon of the park. <laughs> yeah, that this was this was one that I, you know, even in the research, I had to like really dig down because I, I just refused to believe initially some of these things that I saw. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean as you know, I mean, listen, a, a park icon is 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 one of, if not the most important parts of the park, right? I mean, if you're talking Cinderella Castle for the Magic Kingdom. Spaceship Earth for for Epcot, 
you know, Disney Studios, has, has, you know, it's a little cloudy, you know, there. But, you know, it, these icons that not only, you know, you know, they really symbolize and represent what the entire park is about. Um, and, and also, in a lot of cases, have different entertainment offerings in there. And, and certainly today with the Tree of Life, I mean, I think, you know, my personal view is, is man, that's that is just perfect. Right. How you know, how could you come up with a better icon than right. that? But before Disney landed on kind of that concept we see today, they looked at a few other things. One, believe it or not, was a, a carousel, a, a, yeah. a very a very large carousel, a a, a three tiered carousel where. You know, the bottom level would be, you know, uh, animals of water, so fish and otters and hippos. Uh, the middle level would be animals on land, so lions and tigers and elephants. And then the, a third top layer would be, you know, birds, you know, different, different, um, you know, different, different birds to ride upon. And, and I think, you know, I think some of the concept art we've seen, it, it would have been very beautiful, right? But right. Uh, that concept never came to be for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, the man we've been talking about, Michael Eisner, didn't feel that it had, you know, a, a significant enough impact. Um, and then number two, you know, even though this would have been a very large carousel, you know, a, a park icon needs to be large and needs to, you know, capture right. the attention. And, 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 and Disney eventually decided that that didn't, that didn't quite do it. Another one that I think is, you know, maybe just one of the most fascinating ideas that we talk about is, is having Noah's Ark, right? So this, this large shipwrecked ark that actually serves as the entrance to the park where you got this large, you know, hole in the hole of the ship that the guests would enter through. Um, and certainly, you know, from, from a thematic standpoint that, you know, that, that ties in right to, 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 to animals and, 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 and conservation and that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, and, and th- there's, there's nothing I could find in the research about why that didn't get implemented, but I think, you know, obviously, you know, the, the religious connotation that, that, that went along with that was probably a factor weighing heavily against the company, the I company think. doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't imagine kind of the, 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 the lashback they would get for that. But, but even when they, when they landed on the Tree of Life concept, you know, there were different ideas for the Tree of Life, one of which that I, that I would have loved to see, and I wish there was a way to do it now. Uh, and, and I think something that even harkens back to an attraction they planned for the Equatorial Africa Pavilion was that this this, you know, you know, being able to to climb to the top of the tree and be on this, you know, this this watch outlook and look out onto the park, you know, from from high atop the tree, which I think would have been, you know, would have been would have been fantastic. You know, probably would have hurt the visuals of the tree a lot. Mm. Um, and then, you know, and then even a an attra- uh, a restaurant plan for the base of the tree called Roots, uh, you know, appropriately enough, that would have been kind of one of the 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 upper end higher scale restaurants for um, for the park uh, again I, you know I feel you know I, I love the tree of life I even you know it, you know the animal kingdom is, is certainly you know one of my favorite parks it's my wife's absolute favorite park um, and no matter how many times we go to the we we we, we walk through the oasis and then and then get that view of the tree of life. No matter how many times I see it, I still have to stop and kind of catch my breath because it it, it does have that visual impact. Oh yeah. I think Imagineers wanted you know you know every park icon to have, and, and specifically the Tree of Life. How far along in the excavator did they get? You know, not. I don't think they got very far past some initial some initial um, you know conceptual drawings, and really the reason for that ties directly back to Beastly Kingdom, right? Because again, with these large cost overruns 
that that the the part that the company was experiencing kind of developing you know reshaping this landscape in the animal kingdom you know again like we said before they had to choose between you know extinct animals and imagine and they and they went with extinct but even that wasn't enough right and so uh just the cost involved with constructing that attraction plus there was also the concern that there was too much of a focus on things that would not be appealing to children right so you had right. you know uh, you know at the time countdown to extinction in the same land which is Right, right, right. You know, you know, geared toward towards adults, and then other educational experiences, right? You know, the the walking trails and even the safari attraction, and they felt like, hey, man, m- maybe we need to focus on things, spend that money on things that will 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 provide some uh, some entertainment for for children. But I that's actually one I would have I would have loved to have seen because yeah. again, based on you know, there's there's actually you know three different pieces of concept art that I've seen for the excavator that I think would have been great, and and really what I you know, I've also written a couple of books on just kind of backstories of different of different Disney attractions, and I think the excavator would have tied in very well with the backstory of Dinoland USA, right? You know, this 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 quiet you know place that where there's this massive you know in in Diggs County where they find this massive cache of dinosaur bones. Well, the excavator would have been this large mining machine that would have been how they found those dinosaur bones, right? And 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 mining operations shut down, and then when all the, 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 the educational professors and students come in, you know, firing back up, you know, this old machine just for a fun ride. So uh, I think that would have been tied in really well with the theme, but, but, but to circle back to your original question, I don't think they got very far past just some initial conceptual drawings. The book is called The Walt Disney World That Never Was, Stories Behind the Amazing Imagining Dreams That Never Came True. And, folks, let me tell you, uh, we have touched on maybe – three percent of the ideas and concepts that are in this book i don't even think that many i i i I think that might be even overstating a bit i mean there's just so much in here to read about and if you're interested in and 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 the thing is once you start to read about these kind of things you're, you're learning about the process of imagineering the way the business works um it's just a fascinating, just a great read and a great book, and I uh, cannot thank you enough. Can, uh, can people can get this anywhere? I mean, where can? Yeah, absolutely. They can they can they can get it on Amazon uh, or my, my my publisher's website, Theme Park Press. Um, you know, they 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 shouldn't have any problem finding it at either of those places. Yeah, Theme Park Press does a lot of great stuff. So, I thank you very very much, sir, for doing this. Hey, man, listen. You, you, Let's uh, do it again. I, you, you, you probably picked up on it. I, I look for an excuse to talk about these things. So, so you just let me know anytime and we'll come back. And we'll, we'll dive even deeper into these things. You got it. Thank you very much. Well, there you go. Christopher Smith, the Walt Disney World that never was. Stories behind the amazing Imagineering dreams that never came true. As he said at the end there, you can get his book on Amazon, uh, themeparkpress.com. Theme Park Press has a lot of great other titles on there if you are interested in sort of uh, the unofficial history of Disney and the theme parks. Um, you know, as I mentioned at the end, <laughs> we could have done that for hours. I mean, we, we scratched the surface of some of the things that uh, Disney has planned over the years and just never got around building for one thing or another, uh, for one reason or another. And uh, I had to cut myself off because it was getting late and I didn't want to keep the poor man up all night long, but I I literally would like to do it again because it's such a great conversation and we really could go into depth about stuff. Um, 
those of you who have any other uh, questions or comments about that, you certainly uh, can forward them to me or to Mike. If you have any other questions about the Beastly Kingdom, if you're new to that idea, I hope we covered it uh, completely. We've covered it in the pa- in past episodes. Uh, Mike has had a lot of information on the Beastly Kingdom in the past, and um, you know we've talked about it quite a bit. So it's a great subject and one that uh, that has sparked a lot of interest with the Animal Kingdom fans over the years and just Disney theme park fans. Uh, you know, everywhere. Um, before we get going, obviously, follow us on Instagram. I am actually, we are actually at Disney's Animal Kingdom on Instagram. Uh, you can find Mike uh, on Twitter at, at uh, Jombo Everyone. He is on there literally his entire life, so you can always get in touch with Mike. Um, I am on Instagram more often than not, so that's the best way to get in touch with me. Uh, you could also find me on Twitter at Radio Harambe. We are on Facebook, we have jomboeveryone.com, we have all of those kind of things, and um, so you certainly can interact with us. If you have any questions you want to email to us, jomboeveryone at gmail.com. We have a listener question show coming up soon, so um, get your questions in on any of those available platforms via email. Uh, you can certainly, like I said, tweet them to Mike. He is you know, on that and will... Uh, Collate all those questions, and we're going to have a show coming up soon where we're going to answer all of your questions. So don't forget to do that. If you have any any concerns, any questions about the Animal Kingdom um, or Walt Disney World you want to hear us talk about, just send them in to us. Don't forget our T-shirts we mentioned before, tpublic.com slash user slash Radio Harambe. Link is in the show notes. All the money goes to conservation. Can't thank you enough if you've already bought one of those or if you plan on doing it after you hear this. I guess that's it. I can't think of anything else I want to mention before we get going. For Safari Mike, who wasn't here today, but you'll hear him soon. And for Christopher Smith, I am Dave McBride. Quaharini, go well, and thank you for listening to Radio Harambe. Now, <laughs>